For more resources, visit rym.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hey everybody, we are back talking more with uh, Dr. Derek Thomas. Uh, yesterday we talked about parenting young children as well as teens and some counsel there. Uh, today, uh, kind of continuing this discussion a little bit, uh, Dr. Thomas, when you look at current cultural trends, and again, we've mentioned uh, some of these, what, what are some areas of focus uh, you think Christians should give attention to? Just some uh, cultural trends that, that Christians might not even be aware of that you think are important and uh, they should spend time reading about, praying about, researching. Uh, what are some of those that come to the top for you? Yeah, this is a very difficult question uh, to answer, and, and not least because it's probably going to look a little different depending on where you live. Sure. You know, and you and I both live in the culturally conservative South. Now, we see trends towards secularization, but it's nothing in comparison to Europe. Um, I, I've just come back from Ireland, and the island uh, that I met a few weeks ago was entirely different from the island that I knew when I lived there hmm. uh, 25 years ago. So within a generation, there has been a complete change. And so depending on where you are, you know, this is going to look a little different. I think I think all of us, through the universal nature of communication, um, the, 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 the way in which the, the world has gotten a lot smaller because of the instant nature of communication, um, all of us are facing, you know, what you, what we call late modernity or post-modernity, late modernity is probably a, a, a better description of it. Um, but the loss of, uh, the loss of um, faith in, in, in truth, in, it's the assault on truth, uh, on, on objective truth, on true truth, as Francis Schaeffer um, put it so many years ago. Um, and I think as an example of it, I would pick up on a, a cultural trend uh, that's, that's a very recent trend, in fact, uh, in the United States, and that is the concept of fake news. Now, depending on which side you're on, uh, will will depend on how you respond to the to, to the moniker uh, fake news, mm. um, and and and. Most of us, especially on the conservative side, are aware that that there are news agencies and media uh, sites that distort news, uh, that single out minutiae and make them to be the main thing. Um, but it can also backfire. So, so when we use the term fake news, it, it can also create in itself the idea that 
nothing is true and nothing is genuine. So it can backfire on how can we ever know, for example, any history at all. I mean, we're all familiar with movies that rewrite history. They rewrite the Second World War or they rewrite uh, the the history of the United States in the 19th century and the Civil War and, and so on and, and so on. But but along with that, how can we know, how can we be be sure of the New Testament Church? How can we be sure of Jesus' words? How can we be sure that that he ever existed? You know, so that is the level at which um, the the assault on the concept of truth and and the concept of valid exposition of history. Um, so, so, so there's a cynicism, therefore, that prevails in the minds of people. And uh, it, it appears, for example, especially in political debates, and, and we live in an era in North America, we live in an era of considerably acrimonious um, political debates. And, and the, the, the level of abusive language is at an all-time high mm. I perceive. But with that, the, the, the knock-on effect of all of that is a great deal of cynicism. I mean, we're, we're cynical about the parties we don't support, but with that comes a basic tenor of we're cynical about a whole bunch of things. Mm. Um, and we're cynical, therefore, about church, and we're cynical about, about truth that's too harshly applied in our estimation. Uh, and and therefore, it can slip very easily then into, in, in church circles, it can very easily slip into um, a, a low view of holiness and a low view of obedience to the law uh, and so on. So there's a relativism that is everywhere and it's hard not to be thought of as somebody who is guilty of some kind of hate speech if you make an assertion uh, that's black and white, that's, that's, that's either or. Hmm. Uh, so standing firm and swimming against the tide, if I can mix my metaphors, um, <laughs> uh, against the advance of secularism um, is one of the cultural trends that, that, that needs to be addressed. Hmm. Yeah, and would, would you... Yeah, also go along with that. I mean, growing secularism, j just the stats. And I think um, Ligonier just posted something recently, the state of theology and just a growing biblical illiteracy. Um, and, and just, I guess, talk a little bit on that. Yes, even in the Bible Belt that you and I live in, in Mississippi and South Carolina, um, there is an enormous loss of knowledge by by the average person who calls himself a Christian, um, and and therefore the need for the church to constantly teach and and not to assume anything really you can't assume anything, and sometimes the simpler you are in your message, the the more. I mean, I've, I've, I've preached messages recently that I thought were simple. I mean, basic, to the point where I felt as though I'd 
kind of shortchanged people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, it was these basic truths in many instances that affected folk the most and that they remember the most and that they write letters to you about and thank you personally and send a text message. And and I, I, I think to myself, well, I, I really didn't say anything, but... Um, but so many Christians in churches are listening to, you know, drivel. It's, it's pitiful what they're listening to. And I, I think that we need to address not just, not just that half hour segment on a Sunday morning when you preach one sermon and you haven't got an evening service and your midweek meeting is a bit of a shambles. Um, so, so you, you, you throw all the responsibility, therefore, on the Sunday school, hoping that it can make up. Whereas I think, I think we need to be way more um, reflective about how it is that we teach and what it is that we teach. And that we're teaching not just, you know, not just doing our expositions on John that's going to take us two years or whatever. But that we need to teach theology. We need to teach systematic theology. Because they need systematic theology. They need categories. They need pigeonholes. They need answers to errant worldviews. And that can only come through systematic um, uh, theology. So so at some point in the life of the church, you need to be teaching doctrine somewhere. Mm. Uh, and it's either in a Sunday school class or it's on a Wednesday evening or, or it's through a blog or, or some, some means or other that you're teaching theology. Mm. Um, you know, you're teaching the Westminster Confession or you're teaching uh, the Apostles' Creed, you know, or you're working through um, particular doctrines. And um, never assume that the congregation has had enough of that. Now, one of the disadvantages, it seems to me, in our church life of only having one service, I've, I've always ministered. In my entire ministry, I've always had two services on a Sunday. In all three churches that I've been involved in, there was a morning and evening service. So that allows for a greater diversity. If you've only got Sunday morning, then that's it. That's your one shot for the week, and it's over. But if you've got two services, you can do something entirely different in the evening service. And if you've got a midweek that has a teaching component in it, you know, you've got three slots. And particularly these days with, um, with recordings and websites and so on, even if they're not there, they can listen to it during the course of the week, as, as many of our congregation do when they're driving and, and so on, and catch up with it later. And it provides a body of resource material uh, for the church. Well, you know... Um, the sheer size of late modernity's assault on truth affects every aspect of life, uh, uh, f- from the individual to the entire corporate body that is the church. And, um, you know, I sometimes think on a Sunday morning when when a thousand people are saying um, the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, and okay, it might be rote, 
you know, and they're saying it all from memory. Um, but it is the most countercultural moment in the entire week mm. when we're saying to a, an unbelieving, reckless, hostile world, these are the things that we believe mm. and can't hear, and they save our souls. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really good. I mean, just being aware, like you said, of the growing secularism and then, again, connecting that with biblical literacy and the importance of theology and understanding systematic theology and, again, in our congregations, teaching that to our, our people. As we start to draw this to a close, is there anything else you'd like to add, Dr. Thomas? Yes, and I think I think it's a general point that the church needs to be the church and not try to ape the world. Mm. And, and and sometimes we 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 are far too trendy to be of help to ourselves. You know, we want we want the world to like us, and, so, and therefore we want to be friendly and nice. And and all of a sudden, the world is in the church. You know. And making the church different, the holiness of the church, that the church is a holy entity. And therefore, it's different and it's set apart from the world. And it's set apart from the world in what it believes and it's set apart from the world in the way it behaves. And, and being, being at peace with that is important. Hmm. And I think sometimes we're not at peace with it. That's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, it, it is hard. I mean, there, there is always that temptation to be conformed into the image of the world. And when we, we do stand out as Christians or say something that's controversial and in disagreement with the world, um, it, there, there is obviously that, that pressure and that discomfort. But um, as you're saying, uh, and a, a good reminder, we need to be used to being uncomfortable. Uh, for sure. So those are some some good words, Dr. Thomas. Uh, tomorrow we'll conclude our discussion with Dr. Thomas as we talk about some of the most influential books in his life. So be sure and tune in. 